You're listening to the Sermon Podcast from Real Life on the Palouse, reaching the world for Jesus, one person at a time. Uh, I'm honored to be here. My name is Josh Gray. I'm the lead servant here at Real Life, and thanks for letting me do that. I'm excited to dive into this three-week sermon series on detours. Um, It's going to lead us up into our um, Resurrection Sunday series that we're going to be going to, so excited about that. Let's dive right in into detours that we've had in our life. Sometimes a detour is the correct path. What do you do when God reroutes you? Um, One of the lessons that I learned in Israel on walking the path, say, say, halak the direct. That's not very good. Halak the direct. Walk the path, right? So we were, um, we were, uh, I think we were below Mount Arbel, maybe something like that. And uh, our teacher was like, hey, you need to go off the path here. And so we started carrying, like, everybody's, like, running off the path because that's what we were supposed to do. And so we ran off the path. But this path was, like, legit thorns and scrapes and all those things. Carrie fell down. I went to help her get up, and then I fell down with her. And, like, we were legitimately, like, bleeding, like, bleeding and cut up and bleeding. And it was a great life lesson on walking the path, walking the path that God would have for you that he lays out before us. And one of, we'd say uh, one of God's love languages is obedience. Because as us as parents, we want our kids to obey us, not just because we're dictators or any of those things, but because we love them and we want what's best for them. And so, so does our Father in heaven. Would you think that he would want what's best for you as well? He sees you. And so I have some simple observations as we go through the uh, this book of uh, Jonah, I love the, the little video we had there. You can just see those little word pictures if you're familiar with the story. But if you're not, we're almost going to go through a whole book of the Bible today, and you're going to be like, boom, one book done this year already. So uh, the word of the Lord came to uh, Jonah's uh, son of uh, Amittai, go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed towards Tarshish. He went down to Joppa where he found a ship bound for that port. And after paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. So Joppa, down here in the bottom, bottom right, is the port he was on. He's supposed to go to Nineveh. And he goes the exact opposite way. And I don't know if you've ever done that in your Christian walk with the Lord, uh, gone the exact opposite way, but in the great words of uh, Dr. Phil, how's that working out for you? <laughs> A couple observations that I have here is that, is that God, uh, God speaks. God speaks. He still speaks. He speaks today. He's going to speak to you this week. He has things he wants to tell you this week. He has plans for you. He has plans for you, and so how is your listening? How's my listening as a lead servant here? How is your listening? Because we have a creator God in heaven who, who has a path for us to be on. Do we hear him? Another observation I had is that God um, notices wickedness still. Wickedness is not lost uh, uh, upon him. He sees that, and it's, isn't it interesting that how God would use wickedness, or how he sees, he sees and notices wickedness, and what's his, what's his solution for wickedness? What's his solution to to fix wickedness? You. 
You are his solution to fix wickedness. You are his solution uh, to, to stomp out wickedness. I had my boots on on Thursday, and I was able to stomp, like, really cool, but I can't. These are too soft. Um, but, like, stomping out wickedness. And I got to ask you guys, where has God asked you to run into wickedness with him? Where has he asked you to go to stomp out the hurts that are going on in this world, to help the orphan and the alien and the widow. I was very, very, very moved by our CR-a-thon this uh, last week. Can anybody go to that? <clears throat> I only got to go to a little bit because I was fighting a... I had my own personal detour called a cold. Um, and uh, I only got to go to a little bit of it, but I was wrecked by it. The last part I got to go to it was cardboard testimonies, and there was like 20 or 30 people that were going up, and they were just showing like who they were before Christ, and they flip it over and who they are now. See, we have detours in our own personal lives that are taking us away, and I, and I know I say this almost every time I preach, but the Lord took me on a little detour. I've had some detours the last couple weeks. Uh, detours of things that didn't go the way that I wanted, and I was mad. My son was supposed to come home last week, uh, and he got detoured in his current uh, military base that he's at, and he's, uh, maybe he'll come home this next week, but I was mad because I wanted to see my son. We got a detour, and I was mad at God. Why did that happen? You knew how much I wanted to meet with him, and then God was like, hey, do you trust me? Do you trust me? Do you trust that I have what's in the best interest for your family? Do you trust that I have what's in the best interest of the church, Josh? And the staff and the community, do you trust me? How's your listening, Josh? How's your listening? Oftentimes, as followers, we run. We run from little things of obedience. Have you ever had someone uh, pop into your head and you're like, I should give them a call? Because you just, you just magically thought about it? Or is that actually like God, like, hey, I want to connect some two people together? because I want people to be connected in life, and so I want you to call, and you need to give a word of encouragement. So next week, when somebody pops in your head, is like, hey, I wonder how, call them. And this is being obedient in just the little things. How about being obedient in the big things, like forgiveness? He calls us to forgive, and sometimes it's even the hardest folks to forgive are the ones that are closest to us. So we talk about forgiveness. What if you're being, being obedient? It's like, hey, you should go to counseling. You're like, yeah, I should go to counseling someday. No, today. And just to, to hear God's voice so crystal clear that we move and act on it so we can join him as he wants to stop, stomp out wickedness. Or maybe it's running to something, an, un, an unhealthy hurt or an unhealthy habit or an unhealthy hang-up in our lives. So it's not always running from God, but to something that's not even, that we're not supposed to go there with. So he uh, gets on this boat, uh, Jonah gets on this boat, and uh, things are not going well for the group there. And they said, uh, this, is the, this terrified them. And they asked, what have you done? Of course, they knew that he was running from the Lord because he had already told them so. You ever hang out with people that you would classify as running from the Lord? Are there consequences around that for people who aren't running towards the Lord together? Sure are. So the sea was getting rougher and rougher, so they asked, what should we do you make, uh, to, you to, what should we do to you to make the sea calm down for us? Pick me up and throw me into the sea, he replied, and it will become calm. I know that it is my fault uh, that this great storm has come upon you. 
Uh, instead, the men did their best to row back to land, but they could not, for the sea grew even wilder than before. Well, we'll fight God with you. Again, how's that working out for you? You and your friends fighting God, right? And so it grew wilder than before. <clears throat> then they cried out to the Lord, please, Lord, do not let us die for taking this man's life. Do not hold us accountable for killing an innocent man, for you, Lord, have done as you pleased. Then they took Jonah and threw him overboard, and the raging sea grew calm. Running from God has consequences for me and for others. My uh, occasional disobedience, occasional, <laughs> my disobedience from God has definitely caused consequences for my family. Because we're so woven together that he did not design us to do life alone, that we need each other. We need each other. We need each other to do life. We need each other to overcome. We need each other to, to be running towards crushing wickedness because we don't do it by ourselves. But running from God has consequences for me and for others. He loves us so much that he will provide opportunities to get our attention. Anybody else experience that in your life, in your walk with the Lord? He loves you so much, he's going to provide an opportunity to get your full attention. And so he did this for Jonah. It says that now the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah. Well, thank you for providing, Lord, that I would be swallowed, right? So the Lord provides us opportunities to really, really, really pray. And it seems to me that's when he has my undivided attention. You remember 9-11? Do you remember our congressmen and all those folks together singing, God bless America, we're all united, and senators uh, praying on the steps of the Capitol? Like, we, like man, look, we, the, like our attention was grabbed, and people would come across party lines to, to connect because we needed, we needed this. And so he provides an opportunity uh, for, uh, for, for Jonah. From inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord, uh, his God, and he said, so this is kind of a big deal. Have you ever gotten to that point in your life where like you really, 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 really had no way out, and it was God or nothing? And here we find Jonah. In my distress, I called to the Lord, and he answered me. From deep in the realm of the dead, I called for help, and you listened to my cry. You hear the zakah, the cry of the oppressed. He hears the cry of the oppressed. You listened to my cry. You hurled me into the depths, into the very heart of the seas, and the currents swirled about me. All your waves and breakers swept over me. Sifting. Here you go, Josh. I said, I have been banished from your sight, yet I will look again towards your holy temple. The engulfing waters threatened me. The deep surrounded me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. <laughs> Anybody else kind of get freaked out when you're swimming or you get seaweed or anything? I'm like, ah. Yeah. That would cause me to pray. The roots, to the roots of the mountains I sank down. The earth Beneath, barred me in forever. But you, Lord my God, brought my life up from the pit. That's what I saw yesterday when you saw the cardboard testimonies of people 
And like just hearing some of the overarching thoughts about some of the testimonies that people talked about, man, he can grab us from the pit, from the pit. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. Those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them. But I, with shouts of grateful praise, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I will make good. I will say salvation comes from the Lord. Salvation comes from the Lord. And the Lord commanded the, uh, commanded the fish, and it vomited Blah. Jonah out onto dry land. Some cool stuff about how uh, Jonah's uh, ambiance would be glowing, and he's bleached up a little bit, and that might have helped him in some of his talks to Nineveh. One of the things that I was stuck on this week as we went uh, through that text is I was stuck on the, the, the idols, and I was been, I've been reading a book. I finished a book. You guys can write this one down. This is called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. And I think it's John Mark Comer. The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. And as I listened to that uh, book and, and, and thought about what he was saying, I thought about the great American idol. The great American idol cleansing of myself and started to look at the things that I was putting in front of God that would separate me from God. What is an idol that is separating you from your relationship with God? Is it your phone? You know, I think I might have said this a couple weeks ago. Do you know the average iPhone user touches their phone 2,600 times a day? Not as much for you Android folks, right? <laughs> What's the first thing you're doing when we get up in the morning? What does that look like? So I want to take inventory, and I ask you to take inventory. What, what things are, are in the way of your relationship with God right now? What things are in the way of some things that he might be calling you to do to, to join him and partnering him in stomping out wickedness? I want to talk a little bit about Nineveh. Um, Nineveh is this great city. They're going to hear later there's 120,000-ish people. It took three days to walk across it. We first hear about Nineveh mentioned in Genesis 10. So way early in the Lord's, uh, Lord's text. The current day Iraq, the city of Mosul. I'm a bummer with a lot of the things that are happening in that area. There was a bunch of antiquities destroyed around the city of Nineveh. <clears throat> Uh, the kings would chant, the kings of, and the leaders of, of the Assyrian nation, they would chant and say this over and over and over. They would say, I destroyed, I devastated, and I burned with fire. I destroyed, I devastated, and I burned with fire. So this isn't like uh, God asking me, hey, Josh, I want you to go to Seattle and preach a great message uh, to some folks. This is like God saying, Josh, I want you to go to the ISIS stronghold where they've drug American bodies up and down streets. Does it give a different perspective of why Jonah might not have been so excited to obey God? Just obey him. Come on, dude. Right? We see that. So the Lord comes back to him a second time. 
So then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim the message that I'm going to give you. Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. Now, Nineveh was a very large city. It took three days to go through it. Uh, Jonah began by going a day's journey into the city, proclaiming, are you ready for the great message? 40 more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. He's just Josh Gray just running into ISIS. Hey, 40 more days and this city will be overthrown. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you very much. But apparently in the Lord's math, it works. The Nevites believed God. A fast was proclaimed and all of them from the greatest to the least put on sackcloth. The great message of being obedient. It kind of makes sense, you know, as you, as you go, this good, good consequences happened to the people of Nineveh because Jonah obeyed. And you know that good consequences happen to your family just as, as equally as they could be if, they, if, they're, if you're disobeying God, it can affect your family negative. When you're obeying God, it can affect your family in the positive. He cares for us. So when, uh, when God saw they, uh, what they did and how they turned away from their evil ways, he relented and did not bring on them the destruction that he had threatened. It kind of sounds like at that point the story should be over. Like, yay, God, Jonah obeyed and we're done. But the next thing we see in this weird chapter four is we see that Jonah is mad. He's mad. Now, why would Jonah be mad? But to Jonah, this seemed very wrong, and he had become angry. He prayed to the Lord, isn't this what I said, Lord, when I was still at home? That is what I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tarshish. I knew it, you. I'm mad at you, God. Just like I was mad when I didn't get what I want. I knew, God, that you're this gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. What kind of God is this? I'm so mad. I'm so mad, you know what? As a matter of fact, now, Lord, take away my life, for it is better for me to die than to live because you are compassionate and gracious and none of this is making sense is it it's like wait a minute like why is he mad again because god is compassionate and 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 gracious well maybe if we don't get the revenge that we want if you'd gone through what jonah had gone through and you had seen what the assyrians had done to his family and to the people all around there maybe you would think that they didn't deserve to be saved and maybe you would be mad at god for being compassionate and gracious because we don't see it through his lens we see it through our lens So then God, uh, Jonah gets mad and he leaves. He's just like, that's it. And he goes to the, to the opposite side of the city and he leaves. And uh, God provides this plant for Jonah because it's hot out there. And he provides this plant and it covers him up. And he's like, yay, God is good again. You know, he gave me what I want. I love him so much. And then he sent a worm to eat the plant and it died, and now he's mad at God again. And then he's over here and then he's happy with God again. And then you're mad with God again. And then I'm doesn't even sound like us, does it? 
Why is it when God's circumstances, when I view them as favorable to me, we have a good God, and when it's not favorable to me, then I wonder if there is a God? Am I that fickle to be moved by just the desires of what I want instead of hearing the desires that my Father has for me? But God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry about this plant, Jonah? Jonah's digging in deep. Anybody have kids that just dig in deep? They're like, yep, digging in deep. Yeah, it is, he said. And I'm so angry, I wish I was dead again. But the Lord said, you have been concerned about this plant, though you did not tend it or make it grow. It sprang up overnight and died overnight. And should I not have concern for the great city of Nineveh? in which there are more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left hand and also so many animals. Even the animals repented. That's some serious repentance, right? So you can detour from God in your heart even when you don't detour from him in your actions. You can detour from him with your heart even when you don't detour from him in your actions. You can come to church and check off the church box. You can come to church and put your money in the tithe or tithing. You can come to church and serve on, you can can have all the churchy stuff done, but don't you want to do something more than that? Don't you want to partner with a God who wants to stomp out wickedness? Who hears the cry of the oppressed, the, the widows, the aliens, and the orphans? Don't you want to do, like, doesn't, Like, let's get on that mission. I want to be part of that. I don't want to be like uh, Matthew 15, 8 here. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They do all the churchy things, but we're not getting dirty with our hands. And that's the cool thing about our church. Our church gets in it. I'm so proud of our church. Another text in this is Isaiah 29, 13. The Lord says, these people come near me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Where is your heart in reference to where God is in your life? Their worship of me is based on merely human rules that they have been taught. I want more than that for our church. I want more than that for all of us. And so as we take this time to go to communion, let's reflect on this. If you're serving communion, thank you very much. We're going to head on back there and get that. We have an open table. If you're visiting with us and you know Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, hold the communion. We'll take it all together here at the end. I want to go through some questions that we're going to go through in our home groups. I have an awesome home group, by the way. It's pretty legit. I have miracles happen in the home group. One of my brothers had an open-heart surgery last week, and he's here today. The Lord working through him. He's got great plans for him and his family. We prayed like crazy. I even got to go over there and, and be there. I got this weird text message. We were out and about waiting. I was going to say, hey, good news. He's on life support. I'm like, is that, is that good news? I don't know that that's good news, right? I have an awesome home group. So here's some of the questions that my home group's going to go over tonight. What aspects of Jonah's story resonate with yours? What aspects of Jonah's story resonate with yours? 
Wouldn't that be cool if you were in a group of people that you knew and loved and they could, you could talk about this and get this fleshed out and talking about, yeah, you know, I kind of felt like I was called to go conquer some wickedness and I kind of backed out of it a little bit. Oh, really? Well, let's, 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 let's talk about that more. What are some ways you have detoured from the direction God wanted? What are some ways you have detoured from the direction that God wanted? And what are some of those consequences? Be bold. Be bold because our Lord is bold. Everyone in here, you know we are the equipper of saints in this church. We equip the saints and you are the saints. Be bold. Be bold and, and, and taking big swings with God. Read Jonah 4, 1 through 11. How have you wrestled with the tension of, being, uh, of God being gracious and compassionate towards others? Well, only if he's gracious and compassionate towards those who deserve it. And I could tell you who deserves and who doesn't. And then I would have just made myself God, and that's not good. How have you struggled with God being gracious and compassionate towards you? Oh, boy. Well, I don't really deserve it. You don't really know what I've done, Josh. You don't know what I've done in the secret corners of my life. No, I don't, and I'm glad I don't, but God does. And God sees you, and you matter to him so much that he has been gracious and compassionate to you and to me and to our church and to what we're doing here. What are some uh, ways you relate to the idea of God's love language being obedience? He wants you to trust him. He wants to use you for mighty and powerful things in your life. Are we available? Are we willing? As we take some time, let's just just let the Lord work over us here as we take some time to think about this before we take communion together. Father God, uh, I want to be part of a community, Lord, that wants to stomp out wickedness. That wants to hear the cries of the oppressed. Lord, I want us right now to pray for the folks that, that don't know you. That is wicked that people don't know who you are, that they don't know who your compassion is or what your compassion is and your mercy and your grace is. They're stuck and they need to be introduced to you. They need to be introduced to freedom through Christ. They need to be introduced to freedom through fellowship and through doing life together with people that truly, truly will love them. So, Lord, help us point the loss to you. Let us be part of that uh, on this community. Let us be a place where people would want to come and be like, what are you talking about? I want to I I know what this is. What do you mean a compassionate God? Let me show you. Lord, I want to lift up the hurting. The people that came in today, they're hurting. Lord, you know who they are. You know their wounds. You know their story. I ask you to weave their story into your good story. They would come and find you and meet you and meet your people. 
Lord, we want to clean up any forgiveness in this place. Help us to make that right with people, Lord. Help us to value relationships the way that you value us. That we would value them so much that we would be Christ-like. That we'd be willing to go to the cross with them. Lord, we just ask for your hands upon us. We thank you. We praise you. You're such a good God. Amen. So the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took the bread and he gave thanks. And when he broke it, he said, this is my body. Do this and remember it's me. We remember your graciousness, your goodness, your faithfulness. Let's take it and eat. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup. And he said, this is a cup of the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it and remember her. In remembrance of me. Let's remember. Let's remember him. Thank you, Lord, for helping us stomp out evilness and wickedness and letting us partner with you, Lord. Let us recognize when you want to use us for those purposes. We say that in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for checking out this message from Real Life. You can find out more about us by visiting liferotp.com and connecting with us on Facebook and Instagram. Until next time, have a great week.